You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlick. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today is just going to be a Q&A day. I'm going to scrape up everything I can find from uh, the voicemails, text messages, Facebook group, etc., etc. Who knows? Maybe I'll just start ripping off other stuff. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. What are you going to do? Copyright your Twitter post? Get out of my face. Call my lawyer. I will pay him by the hour to hang up on you. Anyways, um, other than that, a little bit of news here. You may have noticed that yesterday's podcast got cut off abruptly. I found out about that actually by my lawyer who called me and said, what's going on with this dumb podcast? One minute you're talking about Eddie Lacey, next minute it's just done. Well, I fixed it. So if you'd like to go back and listen to the last of it, which is kind of important because it all kind of built up to the end and all that, you can go back and listen to the last, I don't know, five, ten minutes of whatever was left. Otherwise, we did get one more five-star iTunes review, meaning we need four more reviews, and we are officially at 200. I can finally give away that PFF subscription. That is good for one year, which means you're going to be getting, let's see, um, let me just look at what's all in there. Maybe I should tell people what's in there. I mean, you could look it up, but it would be interesting to do, I guess. So the PFF Edge subscription comes with the player grades. Now, there's two types of player grades. There's like the super in-depth one that I use a lot, but there's also, during the regular season, I actually just use player grades a lot because it's more of just a snapshot. So if you've ever seen me post pictures where it shows, like the guys actually lined up on the field with their grades over their heads and stuff, it gives you that. You can click on the players that shows their historic data. And then there's also another area where you can click that shows the full roster, not just the starters. So it's pretty thorough, but there's a little bit more in-depth you know, like the, uh, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. That stuff's not on there. Um, all their fantasy football stuff, they've got a lot of fantasy football stuff, including things that I think you can link with your league. So if you want one of those cool little tools, they have that. Fantasy rankings, fantasy projections, fantasy stats, draft master, which is the one where you import your league, and fantasy playbook, which is a draft guide. Um, they also have 2019 quarterback annual, it's called, but basically it's this massive, and you know what, I should use that for Trubisky. I think I kind of did. Maybe we'll do a little bit of that today because it's kind of a thing now with Trubisky. I don't, I don't even want to pile up on the guy. It's just the fact that Bears fans, some of them, refuse to acknowledge that he's not good. So, you know, just pile on a little bit. But essentially it is a massive online PDF, 341 pages of just ridiculous, ridiculous insights. I'm talking about breaking down per quarterback. You've got um, yearly grades, which you can get in the thing. A little, you know, paragraph about the player, weekly stats or weekly grades, grades from a clean pocket, uh, grades under pressure, positive grade rate, negative grade rate, big time throw percentage, turnover worthy play percentage, adjusted completion percentage, third down grade. 
Uh, it's got a quarterback heat map that shows where all the throws tend to go. So, you know, larger and smaller tiles means they throw there a lot or not very much at all. And then they're also graded, either being above average, approximate average, below average. Um, throws by route, what route the receivers are running as a percentage, or, you know, how often you throw to somebody running that route as a percentage. Um, stats, as far as all those things I listed, passer rating when clean, passer rating with no blitz, passer rating under pressure, passer rating blitz, and then under each of those, you have every single year, and then play percentage, completion percentage, everything that you could want is here. Um, passer rating given their time to throw, time to throw, depth of target. It just keeps going, and this is per quarterback, and this is just at the bottom when you start doing per quarterback. There's also metrics comparing quarterbacks to each other. So this alone is worth buying it. Which, by the way, if you want to wait for me to give it away because you put in a review and are waiting to see if you win it, that's cool. If you want to just go out and buy it because it, I mean, come on, it's like 30 bucks. Use the link that I put in the description. Again, there's a link that takes you to my links. I just want it to look a little cleaner. I don't know. But supposedly you get like a 10% discount, which makes it like $27, I guess. But whatever, it's cheaper. But man, this is... I wish you could just see what I'm seeing right now because it just keeps going. It it won't stop. There's like eight or nine pages, and I'm just looking at Jameis Winston because he's at the bottom, and I wanted to scroll to the bottom. But man, I've looked at it before, but I've never gone through the whole thing. I mean, we've used it before, but I just... I'm going to just waste a day on this now. Guess what we're talking about tomorrow... I'm sorry, am I distracted? Um, but anyways, beyond that, there's also what's called charts and analysis below, which shows fantasy depth chart, wide receiver cornerback matchup, which is pretty good through the regular season. I use some of this stuff. It just kind of shows, you know, how good a one player is compared to the person they're probably going to be matched up across from. So if it's, you know, Jair and Allen Robinson, it's just going to show kind of not just how well they match up, but it's going to do that through the whole... It's actually pretty good for fantasy football. I use it kind of a lot. Or if you were to do sports betting or whatever. It kind of shows you not just how good one player is, but how good that player is in comparison to the person they're going to be across from. So it shows wide receiver, cornerback matchup, offensive line, defensive line, handcuff index, shadow coverage matrix, uh, points allowed, matchup chart, projected box score, tight, up, tight end matchup chart. Lots and lots of things. But that is what PFF Edge gives you. It's more than enough to be able to play around and have some fun. PFF Elite is very cool, but it's unbelievably expensive. If you want to drop the money, that's fine. Again, use my link to save a little bit. You save like 20 bucks because I think it's like 200 some dollars. But I live on PFF Elite, and I give you the information pretty much every day on here. And if you have a specific question, you could always ask me to look it up. So, you know, do what you want. If you got the money, go ahead. But I'm, you know, maybe just let me take that hit for you. That's why you give me money, right? Right, guys? Anyways. So we're almost there, and that's going to be going to one lucky Python. Anyways, let's take our break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So something that I did forget to mention was that the um, nflbigboard.com was actually updated on Friday. So if you're trying to keep up on the NFL draft, be sure to head over to NFLBigBoard.com. 162 total prospects. And uh, for those that don't know, this is an aggregation. I don't remember how many boards because I deleted a bunch that weren't updated, haven't been updated. I would guess there's around 10. And the way that I do this to make sure it's you know maximum um, accuracy, because otherwise you would have like number four overall would be some no-name guy that nobody cares about and isn't any good because some website just really likes him or whatever. You have to be ranked by at least three of the, we'll call it 10, uh, different websites. So I've already got about probably a thousand or so prospects, pretty close to that, but only 162 of them are ranked because it's just, there's all kinds of ideas about who people like, you know, who, who this site has as their number 300 prospect and whatever. It'll start to come together over time, but 162 at this particular point in time. Uh, one of the tweaks that I made, you've got, uh, and I'm still working through how to best do this, but position and then sort of your, I, I put it as type. And I'll try to hone this a little bit, but for example, you've got quarter between quarterback, you've got either pro style or dual threat, um, edge rusher, you got outside linebacker, defensive end, um, tackle, left or right, safety, strong or free. So, and the reason I wanted to do this is, you know, last year, for example, I put free safety and strong safety in separate categories. Well, sometimes I just wanted to know who the safeties were because that isn't always a super, uh, super well-defined role. And also, you know, you want to know, is an edge rusher primarily playing defensive end or outside linebacker? That kind of stuff, right? Defensive lineman. Okay, what is he? Three-tech, five-tech, nose tackle. And again, that's not always well-defined, and sometimes there's a lot of disagreements about what they did in college compared to what they're going to do in the pros, and it's not always 100%. All right, maybe, because I'm, I'm using our lads as my reference, maybe our lads has it one way, but he's only playing about 51% from there, and then... You know, the other time he's playing off the edge and I've got him as a three-tech defensive lineman or something. People are getting mad because he's going to end up being a, a pass rusher. I, You know, whatever. But I just wanted a little bit more context. From there, I've got the school that they go to. And then there's three buttons. There's highlights, film, and news. Highlights will take you to a highlight video if you just want a quick once-over of what this guy does. Film will take you to basically just a search query in um, YouTube. So it's just really just a time saver. And then news will take you to his Roto World um, news profile. So essentially, this is just a a one-stop shop to just get all the stuff you need. And how did I miss Jared Pinkney? I don't have his stuff. I must have messed that up somehow. But everybody else, I have all that information. And, by the way, hoping to add scouting reports in the near future. And I'm, I'm really toying with the idea of bringing somebody on, possibly even as a paid thing. Not very much pay, but I really want this to... Uh, I really want to get this going and doing it in the right way. So, anyways, we'll see what happens. 
Anyways, the, the last column is the average column, which is the average rank among the three, four, five, ten different. Obviously, Tua is ranked by every single site. So his average rank is 1.73. So between ranks, you know, one and two or whatever. Just to give you an idea, you know, because you can see, okay, this is the number one, number two, number three, but how big of a difference is there? Jerry Judy is number two, but he's at 3.13, so there's a little bit of a gap, right? Chase Young is four, Andrew Thomas is five, but Chase Young is averaging 5.2, Andrew Thomas is 7.14, it's a bit of a gap again. So again, just a little bit more context as far as how good these people are and where they're generally ranked. Uh, Number 162 here, Mr. Felipe Franks, he's the 162nd overall rank on my board but his average rank amongst the boards is 245th so he's not necessarily the 162nd best player Um, on average he's definitely not ranked that high so anyways be sure to check that out get to work y'all got some work to do it's fun if you got some downtime just head to nfl big board you can sort the tables and just say i want to watch wide receivers just watch them anyways first question but this is from uh taylor from arkansas He asks, between Savage and Gary, if you had to pick one to bust, which one would you pick? Now, my automatic gut reaction is Gary, right? Gary is sort of a prospect that you're basing on. Well, he's got a lot of athleticism. He should be good, even though we didn't really see it in college as much, right? I know you talk to the coaches. He blew up plays and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, what we're after is production, and production he did not have in Michigan. So the idea that, well, he did produce, he produced what he was asked to do in Michigan, that's great, but the Packers are going to ask him to do something else. They're going to ask him to get sacks. They're going to ask him to get pressures. Can he do that? He should be able to, but can he? Then you look at Savage, and you can see the play speed on the field. You know he was a ball hawk and all that stuff. So it it kind of feels like an easy question. However, there's some variables here. Number one, Gary was taken higher than Savage. Seems simplistic, but... Bottom line is, if you were to ask the Green Bay Packers who the better player is between the two, it's Gary. I would bet if you ask all 32 teams, with very few exceptions, Gary would be higher. I don't think we should take that super lightly. Now, you could look at it maybe just as a positional thing, but I still I don't even think it's necessarily positional, if you were to adjust for position, in other words. Secondly, Savage is based on... I don't know the best way to say this. I, I guess one way to say it is I think Gary has a higher floor than Savage. Savage, a lot of it is based on, you know, he's got all these, this crazy film in college, but in terms of him being, like, if one of them is just complete, straight-up trash, it kind of feels like Savage would, would be a little bit higher on my list. Also, I apologize for the volume level. Computer just completely crashed, and I started it back up, and whenever I boot this thing up, it's like, oh, you want this all the way up, right? And I'm not going to delete it and start over, so an apology will have to suffice. I went back to listen to what I just said for whatever reason. It was like, oh, that is loud. Anyways, I, I just I, I can't think of a better way to say it. I think either Savage is going to be a really, really good cover guy. A guy that, you know, he's going to get a lot of pass breakups. He's going to get a good amount of picks. He's going to be solid in coverage. He's just going to be, you know, a real good complement to that secondary. Or if he can't translate that, he's going to be useless. Right? I mean, and a lot of it is mental. Can the mental part of it kind of catch up? Can it handle the NFL, you know, complexity? That's a big problem with, you know, drafting for athleticism. It's one of the things that drives me nuts about the Packers is getting guys that are real athletic. Athleticism doesn't mean anything. It just, it really doesn't. I mean, you can do some things, but it, it's like a, a gadget, right? It's like having big hands, you drop the ball a little less. But in the grand scheme of being a good football player, and we, we looked at it before, 
You know, look at the top wide receivers. How many of them are fast? Pretty close to zero. I mean, the this, this super, super fast guys, almost none of them pan out as anything other than number twos and mediocre number twos at that. I mean, Julio Jones is obviously an exception to that, but I mean, Julio Jones is an exception to everything. Six foot three, two twenty, four three nine, and it's not. And that's the other thing too. It's you're not looking at Julio Jones and going, he he wins because he's so fast. That's not what it is. He's a great route runner. He's great at contest, contested catches. He's got great hands. He's very physical. If you were to describe his greatest attribute, I would guess physicality would be pretty high. He's not just burning people down the field. So I love the upside of Savage. And I'm really excited about watching him play. And I like his energy and I like his tenacity. But again, let's not forget, Josh Jones was in a similar situation. Now, I didn't really care for Josh Jones nearly as much coming out of college. I went back and watched him and I appreciated the physicality. But as far as the play speed, even though he ran fast, 4-4-2 or somewhere in there, I just, you know... I didn't really see the speed. The coverage wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. It's a different animal in my mind with Savage. But still, my my ability to scout has very little to do with whether or not he's going to play well. I have a higher trust level. But in the same way that Josh Jones, that, that athleticism never translated because he couldn't quite get the mental part of it down... That's every bit as important for Savage, and it's really going to come down to his mental processing. The best safeties out there, same thing. It's not about speed necessarily. Now, to get to that next level, right, there are certain people who can just, you know, like Julio Jones, for example. If he didn't have the speed, he wouldn't quite be as good. He'd still be a great wide receiver, but having 4.39 speed, being 220 pounds, and being six foot three, those things don't hurt, but it doesn't automatically make you great at things. You have to be great, and then these extra added things take you from great to elite or from good to great, or whatever. It gets you into that next tier. So Savage has that potential that I think is just, you know, not not to overstate it necessarily, but I'm going to overstate it. He has Earl Thomas upside. He really does, and I don't think I can say that about Gary in terms of a similar comp, right? He doesn't have Khalil Mack upside in my mind. I think he can be really, really good, but I don't know that I see his upside as being the best pass rusher in the NFL. I think Savage has that potential. But I also think Gary's floor is higher than Savage. And I would say Savage is the one player that really departs from what I've been seeing, which is a trend that says, let's just try to get solid play. And I, I shouldn't say that about it. Savage was pretty solid. He's a he's a try-hard guy. He's a pretty good tackler. Um I kind of feel like, and I, listen, his 40 time was so bad, I understand it, but in my mind, a safe player would be a guy like Taylor Rapp. That guy's never missed a tackle in his entire life. He's, he's just, I, I got real excited about Taylor Rapp, man. You guys know that. He'll probably bust out, similar to Tease Tabor. I got excited about his film, and then he just bombed his, athletic, you know, his athletic testing, and then it just went all to heck. But Taylor Rapp was the safe guy. Darnell Savage is the athletic, high upside guy. But hopefully it pans out. You know, we, if having a bunch of safe guys is cool, and then you add in sort of that Earl Thomas factor on the back end, and it's just an unstoppable defense. But he's got, so I guess I, I still don't exactly know how to answer the question. I guess you almost have to define bust as well. What are the expectations? And, and for a DB and an edge rusher, it's a little bit different. I think the bar is lower for us for Savage. Although we would like to see the positive things, we also, I think, he can succeed as a safety by just not giving up the negative plays. Meaning it would be nice if he goes out and gets six picks and 12 pass breakups. But if he just doesn't get picked apart and he's just a steady, you know, he's decent enough in coverage, gets, you know, four or five pass breakups, maybe a pick, and generally just doesn't get picked on, right? The, the safety group is just acknowledged as a pretty decent group. I think we'll view that as a good safety and a guy that has still a lot of growth to go. Whereas Gary 
I don't think it's going to be enough for us to just have him be good enough because good enough is what we saw in college, right? Good against the run, doesn't, you know, he can hold an edge. Occasionally he'll get some pressure, but, you know, if he, if he ends the season with, with five sacks, I think people are going to throw more of a fit about that than they will about Savage. And a lot of it is going to have to do with perception. Some people never really liked Gary coming in. I don't know that anybody really disliked Savage from the time that we drafted him and people started watching his film. So in other words, I think we set a higher bar for Gary to get over. So somewhat of, some of it is somewhat subjective as far as what we would call a bust. So I, I guess I'll settle on Gary, but it, it's kind of a horse apiece. It depends what you mean by bust, if we're talking short-term or long-term. And then, you know, again, you've got one guy that I think is high floor. Uh, I don't know if I would even say low ceiling, but he, he doesn't have number one in the NFL potential. Savage has that potential, but he also has the potential to just be completely useless on the football field. Whereas I don't think Gary necessarily is that. So I'm going to rest and, and say say Gary, because I think that is more of an upside play. And I think you have coaches who are trusting in their own ability to get the best out of them, and sometimes that just doesn't happen. So it's a pretty good question, because honestly, I don't know. I'd like to know in the comments section what you think. I'm going to say Gary, which I think is also the safe bet. I'm guessing most people would say that. But um, anyways, that's sort of that's the best I can answer it. Uh, beyond that, moving on here, going to the Facebook group, Billy in the Facebook group as well as I both posted something about Micah Hyde. PFF has been highlighting him. Uh, what Billy posted was uh, PFF grades over the last three years for free safeties in the NFL. Number four, Kevin Byard. Number three is Eddie Jackson. Number two is Earl Thomas. And number one is Micah Hyde. You know, I, I went back this morning and re-watched uh, the video by, what's that guy's name? Brett Coleman, the video about what is wrong with the Packers' offense or whatever. And he kind of illustrated that it's not one thing, it's a series of things. I think he laid out about five things. I think when you look at the Packers' descent, it's kind of the same story. There were issues with Dom Capers. There were issues with Mike McCarthy. There were issues in the locker room. There were issues with Ted Thompson. I've kind of voiced some of my displeasure, especially, especially with the secondary over the years, whether it's a Ted Thompson drafting decision, Ted Thompson trading cutting decision, or Dom Capers and Mike McCarthy and their decision on who to play, when, where, and how. Absolutely drove me insane. Not only did they do a terrible job of drafting people, they got rid of anybody and everybody that ever had any talent. It's actually interesting because I I had mentioned how 2014, according to PFF, was the Packers' best year. It was their best roster, I should say. And it really feels like every decision made after that was just a bad decision. 2014 was the year we drafted Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I think that was a good pickup. I understand all the issues. I'm not going to get into an argument about that. But overall, I think that was solid. You look at this team with Casey Hayward, Sam Shields, Tremont Williams, safeties, Micah Hyden, Morgan Burnett. Ha Ha Clinton Dix was a backup safety. Then you had Jared Bush, Devon House, and Dimitri Goodson. Say what you will about it, having those three as backups considering who our starters are, as much as they weren't great, that's still a decent unit. Three solid starting safeties, three solid starting corners, and then, you know, a great special teamer in Jarrett Bush and House and Dimitri Goodson that can maybe bail you out in a pinch. Sean Richardson, just whatever. Then you get 2015. They decide to move Micah Hyde over to strong safety so that HaHa Clinton Dix can come in as a free safety. Tremont Williams ends up getting the boot, and we draft Randall, and we draft Rollins. So that's two bad draft picks. Getting rid of Tremont is understandable, but served to be a bad decision because he went on to 
continue to have some success, not necessarily this year with the Browns, but he went on to have success, and obviously we brought him back because things were not good. Beyond that, again, Micah Hyde is killing it around the NFL right now with the Buffalo Bills as a free safety. We booted him off the free safety spot, put him at strong safety so that HaHa Clinton Dix could come in. By December of that year, we had booted Micah Hyde out of that spot and put Morgan Burnett there, and that's when we started to get that duo of HaHa Clinton Dix and Morgan Burnett with Micah Hyde just being pushed to the side, which was done to him all career. And I remember when we drafted him. It was very weird because everybody picked on where, what school he came out of and said, well, you don't really get good safeties out of there. And I just remember him coming in, and he was just a solid player. I remember him specifically, like, in short areas, you know, red zone and stuff, just making great plays on the ball. And it's it just like nobody ever wanted to give him respect, and the Packers didn't want to give him playing time. And I just remember being confused, like, why is he not on the field ever? But it wasn't that big of a deal in 2015, because you still got Casey Hayward and Sam Shields at corner, and Morgan Burnett and HaHa Clinton Dix at safety. And actually, Rollins and, and Randall, especially Quentin Rollins, was actually pretty solid. So it's like, man, everything looks great. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix, Morgan Burnett, Casey Hayward, Sam Shields, you got these young guys that look great. Man, we got a great group here. Not worried about it. Then, 2016 rolls around. Let me just read you this little snippet here from uh, Casey Hayward's Wikipedia page. I'm going to start with the end of his 2015 section. So in 2015, it says, He played outside corner during the majority of the season, but also played nickelback when Demarius Randall was used on the outside with Shields. Hayward led all Packers cornerbacks in tackles with 908 snaps on defense. 2016 rolls around. Hayward became an unrestricted free agent for the first time in his career after the Green Bay Packers decided not to offer him a new contract, although he had the most productive season in 2015. He received interest from a few teams, including the 49ers, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and the Chargers. On March 13, 2016, the San Diego Chargers signed Hayward to a three-year, $15.3 million contract. So Hayward was a very good player. He had his best year in 2016, and we said, nah, we got Randall and Rollins, don't really want him, don't really need him, don't want to pay him. Three years, $15 million is $5 million a year. He was, he was what, 27? And, and by the way, right now, he's just tearing it up with the Chargers. Absolutely killing it right now. He got another three-year contract from the Chargers last year. He's going to be signed until he's about 32 years old, and he's going to be worth every single penny. But we wanted to let him go, because Ted Thompson is the ultimate frugal guy. Draft and develop. We drafted corners, next man up, therefore, you're gone. That's it. It's that simple. It doesn't matter that you're a great corner. It doesn't matter that we don't know what the young guys are going to be. None of that matters. You're 27, you're old, and you're, you're going to cost us, what, 5 million bucks? Get out of here. Never. Not when we got these young guys. Nah, sorry, bye. Then in that year, obviously, that was the year in which Sam Shields uh, received another concussion. Uh, it was his fourth one in his career put him on IR, and the Packers, I'm not going to give him that hard of a time because this was, I think, more about Sam Shields' safety than it was about anything else. So again, I don't want to give him too hard of a time. Um, And I think that's evidenced by the fact that in 2017, nobody touched him. Now, maybe he decided not to go back. I don't exactly remember the situation, but Sam Shields is not all that different. He comes back in 2018 for the Rams, and he's playing pretty well. Again, don't want to give the Packers too hard of a time on that. But to be completely honest, I don't know that it was that hard of a decision for the Packers to let him to release him, because I don't know that he would have been there very long anyways. So by the end of 2016, we're looking at Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, with their backups being Ladarius Gunter and Dimitri Goodson. Our safeties are HaHa Clinton Dixon, Morgan Burnett, with their backups being Micah Hyde and Kentrell Bryce. So at least our safeties are doing well, but our corners in the matter of about a year and a half have been decimated, gone. We cut two, well, technically we cut all three of our good corners, one of which was due to injury. But we still got our safeties. 
Then after 2016, we decided to let Micah Hyde walk. Let me read you this little gem from his Wikipedia entry. I feel like this is frustrated Packer fans that, that write these Wikipedia entries. But the last paragraph of 2016 says, After the 2016 season, Hyde became an unrestricted free agent. Packers general manager Ted Thompson neglected to make Hyde a contract offer and later apologized for not being able to work out a deal. Isn't that lovely? He was named as one of the most overlooked free agents on the market and was named one of the top sleeper free agents. It was reported by NFL analyst Ian Rappaport that Hyde had received two strong offers. Obviously, he went on to sign with the Bills, and as we were discussing right now, is currently arguably the best safety in the NFL. He was on our team, sitting on the bench. I want to strangle somebody so bad right now, but don't worry. Not a big deal. We drafted Kevin King, you know, because our, our corners aren't very good, the ones that were supposed to step up and, you know, whatever. And also, we'll, we'll draft, draft the safety in the second round because we're taking this very seriously. Two second-round picks. Kevin King and Josh Jones to replace Micah Hyde. He's going to be better than Micah Hyde anyways. I mean, Micah Hyde was a fifth-round pick. This is a second-round pick. He's more athletic, you know, faster, which is which means everything. Probably jumps higher and stuff. I mean, come on. Everybody knows that's what makes a good safety. So now, at the start of the 2017 season, our starting corners are Demarius Randall and Devon House, with Quentin Rollins as our uh, uh, slot corner. Morgan Burnett and HaHa Clinton-Dix are our safeties. Kevin King is waiting in the wings to, uh, you know, be the best corner ever. Josh Jones is the backup safety, or the, you know, hybrid safety, whatever you want to call him. Also, Kentrell, Bryce, and Marwin Evans. Uh, you got Lindsey Pipkins and Josh Hawkins. I mean, just talent, just busting at the seams here. And then, as you know, by 2018, we decided to get rid of Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. We brought back Tremont Williams because we realized how dumb we are. We once again drafted a corner, this time Jair Alexander. Morgan Burnett is gone. He has now been replaced by Kentrell Bryce. Josh Jones has not made a leap even to the point of being better than our backup. Kevin King is starting with Tremont Williams, although Kevin King gets hurt because that's what Kevin King does. Jair steps up and actually becomes a pretty decent corner, which is a good start to turning this thing around. Thank you, Brian Gutekunst. Josh Jackson was drafted. We're waiting to see what that does, and Josh Jones wants to quit because we drafted a safety over him. He doesn't want to have to earn a job. He wants to win a job by default because that's the kind of guy he is, apparently. And this is where we're at. 2014, one of the top cornerback groups in the NFL. By 20, geez, by 2015 almost, 2016, it was just gone. By 2017, it had hit rock bottom, and in 2018, we're trying as hard as we can to make up for the mistakes that we had made. But again, it's not just one thing. We let elite talent walk. We let elite talent sit on the bench because we didn't know it was any good because our coaches didn't know how to use them, Micah Hyde. And let's not forget Demarius Randall, who isn't elite, but who is now a pretty good safety for the Cleveland Browns because we refused to move him to safety because we got that figured out. We're going to leave him at corner where he's no good. He's going to throw temper tantrums. We're going to cut him because he throws a temper tantrum. He's going to go somewhere else where they decide to use him doing what he's good at, and then he ends up being pretty good at it. I'm tired of it, man. When you got fans that are just sitting around that don't know anything, I mean, I've, if it wouldn't take somebody very long to just go, oh, why don't they just play him at safety? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe they should try it just once. Give him one day. I mean, I, I don't even care if you already got it figured out. Well, we got Morgan Burnett, and we got Josh Jones, and we got Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Dude, just put him there and see what happens, because what's the worst that's going to happen? 
you're not going to play him at corner. You're about to cut him anyways. Put him at safety and see if he's good. If he is, then you have a problem of having too much talent, which is a, ra- a bigger, which is a problem I'd rather have than the talent we currently have of everybody's trash. But obviously the good news is, and I've talked pretty incessantly about it, is that things do seem to be turning for the better. I think Brian Gutekunst has recognized that Ted Thompson was a little too extreme in one direction. Now, I don't want Gutekunst to overcorrect. I don't want him to do what the Packers fans want him to do oftentimes, which is just to go all in on free agency. That is, that is the quickest way to just be garbage. You have to draft and develop. Ted Thompson was correct about that. But you have to draft correctly. You have to be able to assess the talent on your team. In other words, don't let go of the good guys. Don't draft bad guys. Don't keep the bad guys. And then don't play the wrong guys, which is a coaching thing. Don't put the wrong guys in the wrong position. Or if you've got undrafted free agents that are talented, put them on the field. I don't care if Demarius Randall was a first-round pick and you don't want to look dumb. Then maybe put him at safety where he belongs. Well, we've already got, uh, you know... We already got uh, Haha over there. And because we got Haha and Morgan Burnett, we can just get rid of Hyde, which doesn't make any sense because Morgan Burnett is not a long term answer. Haha was. But we got Josh Jones. So, you know, just insanity. Insanity. And the bottom line is what we learned, and, and really it was, I think that is the definitive cutoff. 2014 was the peak. 2014, everything's firing, man. Ted Thompson is on his game. Mike McCarthy is on his game. Dom Capers is on his game. Aaron Rodgers, you know, everybody's just clicking on all cylinders. 2018 was the bottom of the barrel. Nothing's clicking. Granted, we do have a new GM, and and you got a little bit of a turning the corner thing, but, you know, if you look at 2017, 2018, it became very clear Dom Capers and Ted Thompson, that's not working. We'll give Mike McCarthy one more year, and that just, you know, I mean, it it was like a car that hadn't had an oil change in over 50,000 miles (laughs) past its due date or something. And they tried to keep running it, and it just burned out. Like, it just completely seized and locked up, and that thing is gar... It's, just, it's irreparable. It's not repairable. And the, the full spectrum of how bad things got was on full display for everybody to see. And it was embarrassing. It was. And, and you know, Bears fans are kicking us, and Vikings fans, Lions fans, everybody around the NFL, everybody's kicking us, and rightly so. That was ugly, man. We got beat by the worst team in the NFL, the Cardinals. The Cardinals were the worst team in the NFL, and by a lot. It wasn't even close. That was a pathetic team. That was a team that couldn't figure anything out. They beat us in Lambeau. People are still mad about Mike McCarthy getting fired, and I kind of understand it, but I kind of don't care either. I mean, handle it the right way. I mean, you don't just drag him into your office and, you know, whatever. Handle it with some tact. But I, I would make the exact same decision. That's unbelievably unacceptable, especially when in 2017 they were on the fence about firing him anyways. I think a lot of people in that building recognize Mike McCarthy's part of the problem and he needs to go, but they gave him one more chance. This thing went straight into the ground. This was an absolute embarrassment for everybody in that building, for all these players, for everything. It was an absolute embarrassment. And Mike McCarthy losing at home to the Arizona Cardinals was the absolute last straw. We're done. We're done. It's just, it's no more. It's not about respect. For me, it's not. I, I don't, I mean, again, handle it as best as you can handle it. Give him all the praise he needs. But it, I mean, it's just, there is no way in the world that you make a business decision that involves Mike McCarthy staying. And I don't think in a multi-billion dollar industry, you can afford to just say, well, we want to do the nice thing and let him play out the season and let other teams grab up all the good coaches because we want to be nice. Dude, get out of my face. No, we got championships to win. I'm sorry. Mike, I love you for what you've done, 
but you haven't demonstrated your ability to adapt to the NFL as it is. You can't handle what's in front of you. You can't drive this car anymore. We're taking your license away. You know, it's, it's, it's like having to take your dad's, dad's driver's license away. You know, he gets to be 80 or something. He's running into to mailboxes. You know, it's not nice to just go over there and rip the keys out of his hand, but rip the keys out of his hand. It's not going to make him feel good. He's not going to want to hear it from you, from his wife, from the doctor. But guess what? You're going to tell him. And you're going to take his driver's license and you're going to cut it in half and you're going to take the keys and you're going to just rip it out of his hand. I mean, sell his car. I don't care. You're not driving this car anymore, Dad. Sorry. It's not about feelings. It was, it was well, 2015, 16, 17, 18. It was four years of neglect. Four years of abuse that brought us to that point. Four years of just let him go another year. Give him another... Four years. And finally somebody stands up and says, I'm not playing this game anymore. I've given him the benefit of the doubt. Dom Capers giving playing you know, defensive coordinator three years past his prime. No. Not doing it anymore. And I'm, I'm glad. And, and again, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if, if Lafleur is the answer. I don't know if Gutekunst is the answer. We don't know much of anything anymore. But we got to get some people in, in, in the room that at least are, are going to get us up to where we need to be. You know, Lafleur, I don't know how good of a play caller he's going to be, but we got to modernize this offense. We got to get it up to par. And we got to get the guys some, with some energy. And that's, I don't mean to disrespect McCarthy. I know he's a hard worker, but you get the impression that it was just a very laid back environment. And, you know, just look at what happened on the field. If, if you don't want to believe me, fine. Where's the energy on the field? Who's getting excited? Who's, who's high-fiving? I don't know, you know, a thumbs up, something? No, everybody's just in their own little world. Nobody cares. Nobody's excited. Nobody's motivated. We got to get some energy. We got to get some youth. We got to work on this locker room. We got to modernize the offense. We got to do better in our personnel. We got to evaluate our, our roster better and put people in the right positions to succeed. Stop giving away our good players and drafting garbage players. We got a lot of work to do just to stop eroding this team, much less rebuild this team. And I'm glad, again, that Mark Murphy stepped in and made those decisions. Mark Murphy is the guy that said, enough is enough. You're gone, you're gone, you're gone. Gutekunst, you take this seat. Lafleur, you're taking this seat. We're not playing this game anymore. And Gutekunst has come in with that same mentality. If you don't want to be here, you're out. Montgomery, you want to play these games, you don't want to listen. I don't know where I belong, blah, 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 bye. Ha ha, Clinton Dix, you got a problem? Good, bye. Jermaine Whitehead, you want to make a boneheaded play that hurt our team by smacking a player in the face? You know what? I'm not playing this game anymore. We got a lot of work to do, and we're not going to get anywhere by playing these little ticky-tack games where we give people second and third chances, and we'll see, and maybe next year. No! Not next year, not next month, not next week. Now! You're going to do it now. You're going to listen to what I say now. You're going to get with the program now. You're going to play where I want you to play, when I want you to play, how I want you to play, or you're going to get off this team because we're trying to get into a championship in 2019, not in 2024. This isn't a six-year rebuild. It's a one-year rebuild. It's going to happen now. And I, I appreciate it. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I appreciate what's being done. I appreciate the effort, and I hope it works out. I don't know. You don't know. Gutekunst doesn't know. Lafleur doesn't know. Murphy doesn't. Nobody knows. But hopefully... Something happens, and again, even if it doesn't, at the very least, I appreciate the the tone and the direction and the, the how thorough it's been. This is a championship team finally acting like a championship team once again. We're not the Cleveland Browns, we're not the Jets, and we're not going to act like it. We're not the Miami Dolphins, and we're not going to act like it. We're going to act like the Green Bay Packers, we're going to act like a championship team, and we're going to set the bar high, and you're either going to meet that expectation or you're going to go play for the Jets. You can get out of here and go play for the Browns. 
If they want to grab all our leftovers and try to be a championship team by sucking up everybody else's talent, that's how they can do it. That's not how we do it. And that in and of itself gives me confidence because of the, the seriousness that they're, that they're going about this. And I like what Lafleur is doing so far. There's a, a tiny little part of me that, that feels like he's a little bit reserved, but I, I don't think that that isn't his reputation coming in. His reputation is, although he kind of gets in front of people and he seems like a, a nice guy, whereas McCarthy looked like he just wanted to strangle everybody that asked him a question. I think his reputation is that he has very high expectation, right? He's a good guy. People like playing for him. You know, he's got the music going and all that kind of stuff. But but my understanding is that he has very high expectations and he expects you to meet that. I think Rodgers is going to respect that. I think a lot of the guys are going to respect that. And it's not hard for the sake of being hard. It's hard for the sake of, you know, again, these are our expectations. I'm very, very good at my job. I know what it's going to take to get this offense to be one of the best in the NFL. You are going to do what I say, and you're going to do it the way that I say we're going to do it, or we're going to have a problem. Right? It's not anger and arrogance just for the sake of anger and arrogance. It's just a matter of, look, I'm really good at this, and you need to be up to my, to my level, which is very much where Aaron Rodgers is. I don't have time to mess around with people that, that are incompetent. These are high-caliber people. These are the kind of people I want working for the Green Bay Packers because these are the kind of people like the Patriots that don't put up with nonsense. You're going to get on board with what we're doing because what we do is win championships or you're going to go away. And, and, and you know, again, what we saw from, from the end of 2014 through the end of 2018 was abysmal. It was an abomination with, you know, a couple nice little things here, Jair, Gutekunst, Lafleur, whatever. But this is, this is a full rebuild. Gutekunst has the team he wants um, Pettin has the defense he wants. Lafleur has inherited some things, but he's got his staff. Um, he's got a receptive offense that's going to be able to implement his thing. Maybe it's going to take another year to get some of the players that he wants, especially when he comes in in his first year and we draft nothing but defense again. But um, I, I do I do expect good things. I'm not, I'm not saying I expect the Super Bowl, but um, I expect just the level of intensity and the energy to kind of bring. Because as I've said, that the Packers team underperformed their talent level. Despite the erosion of talent for three straight years, they're still a relatively, you know, we're talking maybe the 13th, 14th best roster in the NFL. And they played like they were the 20th best roster in the NFL. So just by changing the attitude, changing the intensity, changing the focus, that should bring them up to about a mediocre to, to above mediocre. You know, a 10-win team, maybe, if they really crank out the effort. But then you add in the rebuilt defense, you add in the, the new offensive scheme and, and really bring up that talent level. There's no reason this isn't a team that wins the NFC North and gets into the playoffs and, and at least shows everybody we're still the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. This talk about him not being the best in the NFC North, this talk about all these young guys on dethroning him, and all it's nonsense. That's, that's a solid goal for year one, a real strong and serious push at a Super Bowl. And if we don't get it, Every reason in year two to believe that we can go into the draft in a very offensive, heavy draft, get Lafleur the players that he wants, exactly the same thing we did for Petten in his second year. Understand what he wants and go out and get it. We can do the same thing next year. Very offensive, heavy draft, wide receivers, offensive tackles, you know, quarterbacks, if we want to get a backup quarterback, a quarter, whatever. Get the kind of players Lafleur needs and wants for this offense. And it'll be good, too, to at least give it a year for him to assess. He kind of generally knows what he wants, but he needs a year to get immersed into it, understand it, get to know the players, their strengths and weaknesses, and, and kind of adapt his scheme to the Packers and, and then kind of develop a 
you know, it's great the way that it is here, but we need this piece, this piece, this piece, and then go into the draft and free agency, acquire those pieces, and really in 2020 have the the team that you want and need. And fortunately, Gutekunst is the kind of guy that's going to say, I'm going to get you the guys that you want and need exactly like he did for Patton. But anyways, this is what happens when you bring up one thing like Micah Hyde playing well for the Buffalo Bills. But I, I, I really think that's the full story. And I'm, I'm glad I did that little exercise of looking at, you know, what was the best team and seeing 2014, because now the picture's kind of coming full circle, right? It's starting to make sense. That was it. That was the peak, and something happened. I don't know what it was, but things just slowly started falling apart from that point, and, and we're, we're, we're on the upswing now. So, anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.